0: Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together, focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. So let's look here at our first study, Your Faith. Uh, as we think about the theme of the book of 1 Peter, it is this. It is living faith. With hope. Uh, Peter's writing to a persecuted people. He's writing to strangers, so uh, strangers who are sojourners or resident aliens there. Essentially, they're not locals or citizens of that place, uh, of the town, and they're also not locals of this world. And so, as he begins to write, he wants to write to give them encouragement and hope. And Ecclesiastes 9 4 kind of gives this emphasis where there is life, there is hope. It talks about a, uh, uh, a living dog is better than a dead lying. Why is that? Because wherever there's life, there's still hope. And it is extremely hard to live in this world without any hope. People need hope to find uh, purpose, to have joy, and to even live And the problem with our world today is the naturalistic worldview produces hopelessness extremely uh, bad. It just produces this this idea of uh, I'm not created by a creator. I'm here by natural processes. It's all accidental. It's all chance. There's no purpose in my life. And when I die, that's the end of it. And when kids are taught that kindergarten all the way through, and that kind of permeates their mindset, uh, it produces what? Hopelessness. There's no hope in that. Uh, People ask me often, how would you describe the younger generation and there's two kind of key things that I have used over the years just as I've seen and it's one, it's like a sponge, they're soaking up everything around them and then a lot of them are hopeless. Uh, that's the reason why there's so much anxiety, depression and suicide um, and uh, we see that whether you're believer or unbeliever, there's just this, this hopelessness based on uh, what the world is uh, teaching, what the world is pointing to and especially for those who are not believers. So in contrast to the world, a believer. Has a living hope. Peter tells us that in verse number three. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So that's kind of our emphasis here. Our theme through the book is living with hope. It's a lively hope. Why is it a living hope? Because his our hope is in the living God. It's in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not in someone dead or something from the past. It's something that is present and future. And so living with hope is going to be that theme because it's based in uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he talks much in our passage here about our faith. And so that's where we want to begin, looking here at your faith. Number one is the beginning of your faith. Uh, It begins with understanding what faith is. What is faith? How would you describe it? Well, I can give you a two-word definition that's helped me tremendously. And it's this, it's ventured trust. Uh, we can stand looking at an airplane. We can examine it. We can uh, have our ticket. We know it's supposed to get us from point A to point B. Uh, we can see the engines look good. We can see the tires look good. There's no, all the, the wings are on and everything. I can stand looking at that plane and believe that it's safe and reliable. Now, this is a form of trust or belief, but it is not faith. You see, it becomes faith when we venture on the plane. When you venture trust in that plane, you can look at the chair and you can believe it's going to hold you up, but until you sit down in that chair, you're not venturing trust in the chair. That's what faith is. And so, when we think about our faith, uh, what is really important is the object of our faith. And so, let her be there. It begins with God. The object of our faith is what's most important. We can place faith in a car, in a bridge, in a person, in ourselves. Sometimes we place faith in things that uh, we should not place faith in. Uh, As we look, Look, in the New Testament, faith is used there always towards God or Christ. God is always the object of our faith. So exactly where does faith come from then? We understand it begins with God, but faith comes from God's word. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we understand God, God's word is kind of that seed or that producer, if you will, of faith. And then faith activates when we venture trust in the object of our faith. It's an act of our will. And so when we venture trust in God, we venture trust in Jesus Christ. We accept him as our Savior. We are exercising faith in him. Uh, When does the Christian faith begin? It begins the moment we call upon Jesus Christ to save us. Notice it is faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that allows us to live with hope. Uh, Imagine if we did not have a living Savior. Imagine if, like some other religions, that the prophet or the the leader has died and that's it. Where's the hope in that? Uh, Jesus Christ gives us hope in his resurrection. And so secondly, we discover the protection of your faith faith. And verse number five, Peter says "Is who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So we are kept through faith. That means to protect. And it has this idea to protect with a military guard. And so you're well protected. And this word is also used as a present, present participle. And you may be going, I'm not an English major. I have no idea what that means. Here's what it means. It implies this action continuously goes on and on. It's not just a one-time event. It's not just over here in the past it happened once and that's it we are kept and will be kept at all times And so it's through faith that we are protected. This protection is God's response to our faith. And so it's not referring to a physical protection, but rather to a spiritual or eternal protection. Here you've got scattered people that Peter is writing to. They're scattered over five different cities uh, here in the uh, Roman area. He points them out, uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And they've been forced out of their homes, their places of work. Families have been split apart. Why? Because of persecution. Because they're identifying as a believer. And so here Peter's writing to give them hope, and he's not saying, look, your faith is going to give you physical protection per se, though God can protect you. He can answer prayer, but it does not guarantee physical protection here on this earth. What it does guarantee us is a spiritual and eternal protection. That's what's guaranteed, and that's why we can have hope. People can harm our body, uh, but they cannot harm our soul. And so God is telling us, look, you are kept through faith. How long are we kept? It tells us here in our passage in verse number five, we are kept through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's unto the end of our lives and of time on earth. You see, we received our justification at salvation. We are currently receiving our sanctification and we will receive our glorification in the end. We're waiting for that to happen, but we're kept, we're protected consistently, continually by faith, and then we're kept by God's power. Now, if I was to be the one to protect you, I would do my best. Uh, I'm going to do my best to protect my family, but there's one greater than me that can protect better, and that is God. Why? Because of His power. It is the power of God that protects us. Our salvation is not protected by a 90-day guarantee, some type of lifetime limited warranty. It's God's Power. Nothing can compare to God's power. It is the omnipotent, all-powerful God that protects our soul. And that's why we can live with hope. Now, thirdly, we learn about the trial of your faith. And letter A is this, trials are inevitable. Verse six he says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Notice the connection of words here joy uh, uh, twice here. Uh, with connection to trials. So trials are inevitable. Um, We're not promised in this Christian life a life free of heartache, free of trials. Uh, Trials are inevitable. What is a trial? It's a means of proving. It, It could be a test by which something is proved or determined to see whether it's worthy or not. Sometimes medals are tried. Sometimes people are put on trial to find out if they're innocent or guilty. So God does not promise us a life free of trials, but he does promise to walk with us through each and every trial. Now, notice in our passage, these trials come in seasons. I love the seasons. You get fall. I love fall. But then, you know, if it was always fall, it would get old. So then we have winter, spring, summer. And it's constantly changing. He says, look, trials are going to come. You're going to have times in your life when you don't have trials. You're going to have tri- times in your life when the trials are extremely severe or they're multiplied at one time. But they come and go. Uh, and that uh, helps us to understand the seasons of trials. But one thing is, all trials have purpose. Trials produce growth. That's letter B. So there is a purpose in every trial. God tries our faith for our benefit and for strengthening us. Trials produce growth. Listen to what James says, along the same lines as what Peter was writing in James 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You have to ask Peter and James, are you crazy? Count it all joy. Be joyful, joy unspeakable and full of glory when I have trials. Have you guys not experienced the same trials that I have? Trials are not fun. Trials are hard. Trials are heart-wrenching. Trials can be physically uh, uh, damaging. They can be uh, emotionally straining. Trials are hard. Nobody wants trials to come in their life. Nobody's going to, hey, I want trials. I'll take your trials. No, we don't want trials in our life. But can I say this? Trials. Produce growth. Trials result in praise and honor and glory. And trials are evidence of God working in our lives. And so these are reasons why we should be joyful because God is working to produce growth. We should count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And the trying of your faith worketh patience. You see that? There's a progression there. Our faith is tried to do what? There's a purpose to work patience in our life, something that you and I don't possess a lot of. Then it says, But let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. You see the progression, how trials will refine us, will bring us to a better you and I, will uh, get away the, uh, the negative, will get away what uh, they talk about with metals, the dross, the impurities, and God can refine us to be a better follower of Jesus Christ. And so as a result of t- trials producing growth, being evidence of God working, Peter and James both tell us we should rejoice in and for our trials. But how can we rejoice I mean, what can help us to rejoice in and through our trials? Well, one, being reminded of the purpose of the trial, being reminded also of all that God's done in the past and how he's brought us through. Uh, Remembering that trials are evidence of God working in us for a specific purpose. Uh, uh, thinking about how God has worked in the past in our lives, these things will help us to rejoice uh, talking to God and also to others. You see, Satan would love for us to be isolated in our trials, but when we talk to others and talk to God about the trial and be very transparent about it, that can help us to be free from the trial and help us to rejoice in it. So trials, uh, we see thirdly the trial of your faith, and then lastly here we see the end of your faith. And we see letter A, salvation is the end of Of your faith, we have here in verse uh, First Peter, chapter one, verse number nine. He goes down, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and diligently and searched diligently. Who prophesied of the uh, grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So salvation is the end of faith. W- what is the end of our faith? The completion of our faith is the salvation of our soul. Your soul is preserved from danger, destruction. You're you're delivered from hell into heaven. What keeps you? Remember, we're kept by faith. What is it in, in, in the power of God? And so our salvation is what gives us a living hope. We cannot lose our salvation. Once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we cannot lose that. No matter what we do, no matter how we may fail in the trial, uh, no matter what decisions we may make, we cannot lose that. And that's why the end of your faith is the salvation of your soul. So salvation is the end of faith and then letter B, salvation is what is sought after. The prophets sought uh, searched and sought diligently for when the salvation of the Lord would come. And salvation through Jesus Christ was their longing and their anticipation. It was their living hope. And it is our living hope. And we get to experience personally what they hope for. So faith is ventured trust in Jesus Christ. I hope that will help you when you think about what faith is. Faith is what protects us until the salvation of our souls at the end. But when you think about this, when you think about faith, faith is meant to be tried. A faith that is not tested or tried, how can we even know if it's a real faith? Faith must be tested and tried to reveal what type of faith it is. And that's why many times God allows uh, the trials to come into our life to try us, to refine us, to grow and strengthen our faith in him. Remember, trials always have a purpose in our life.